1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Today's episode is an interview I did with Pulitzer Prize winning author Elizabeth Strout. She is the writer behind Amy and Isabel, the Pulitzer Prize winning Olive Kittridge*. My name is Lucy Barton. Anything is possible, Olive again. And her new book, o William*, which is, um, picks up Lucy Barton's story once again. She won the 2018 Library Lion And has been an Oprah's Book Club pick. This was a delightful conversation. I had so much fun talking to her. Um, We talked about, you know, the character of Lucy and what kind of keeps drawing her back. Uh, We talked about how she sort of, you know, takes her home state of Maine and turns it into a character all on its own in all of her books. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I'm so excited for y'all to listen to it. If you want to get a hold of us, you can um, go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. I think that's all I got for you. So I hope you all enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. (laughs) start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to O. William.
0: O. William is the story of Lucy Barton's former husband, her first husband, who she has remained on good terms with over many, many years, and he has a few um, bad things that happened to him, and as a result, she and William end up taking a drive through Maine to find something out about William's background. And I think that's sort of the, <laughs> the story, except that it's not because the story goes into their relationship and their current relationship and their daughters and their past relationship and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that this book, you know, looks at a divorced couple who is still on pretty good terms with each other. You know, they're still friendly. Right. They go on this trip. You know, it's interesting that he mm-hmm. has... It's just a particular time in his life when he turns to his ex-wife and not his current exactly. wife. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what made you want to return to, you know, this the character of Lucy? She's appeared in two other books. What sort of made you want to come back to her?
0: Well, I really wasn't at all um, sure that I would. I thought she was probably done. But honestly, um, what happened, and this was... Um, A couple of years ago, My Name is Lucy Barton was uh, produced on Broadway and also in London, and Laura Linney acted in it as a one-woman show. And I was at a rehearsal with Laura Linney one day, and she took a step forward, and she murmured something about William. Mm. And she put her glasses up on top of her head, and at that moment, I thought, Oh, William. (laughs) And that stayed in my head. And I thought, Okay. Okay he's going to have his story because in my name is Lucy Barton. She sort of sidesteps the marriage. She says, I'm not going to talk about my marriage very much. And she doesn't. But then I realized, wait a second, he's got his story. Of course, let's go find out his story. And parts of it were already in my name is Lucy Barton. Like we knew that he was the son of a POW from Germany who had come over to work in the potato fields during the war, which is true. There were POWs from Germany and Maine at that time. Um, so we knew that and we knew a couple of other things and then I thought, oh, let's go. And then I realized it would have to be through Lucy's point of view because, um, she was such a part of it.
1: One thing this book explores is this idea that we can still be surprised by the information we learn about people in our life, in particular, our family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we get older, in particular, you know, Lucy is in her 60s, William's in her 70s. I don't want to say, you know, you feel like you know everything you could possibly know about your right. family, and then that turns out to not be true at all. I know. Um, can I you know. can you expand on that a little bit?
0: Well, I think that you know, with the ancestry, um, like dot all those different websites and things. Um, I've heard a number of stories about people who have discovered things at different points in their life, but um, but older people who have discovered things that have like really, um, kind of. Uh, given them a, a shock and so I thought oh wait this will be perfect for William to have a discovery like that and then as it unfolds we realize you know so much more about who his mother was and who she was with Lucy as well as with William
1: yeah so he...
0: no it never stop you never stop being surprised I think as <laughs> long as you're taking a breath you can always be surprised
1: yeah there's always
0: <laughs> yeah
1: there's always something you know because I think it's sort of, and I say this, you know, my own relationship with my parents, like there's like this hubris of being like, well, my parents can't have any secrets. Like there's nothing that they could right. be like keeping from me. And then that's not always accurate. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's
0: astonishing, isn't it? It's so interesting. I, I find this stuff just so interesting.
1: Yeah. The the ancestry part is, is definitely um, something that seems to be being explored in fiction more. Now that we have this technology, right. because prior right. to this, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, like prior to this, you know, William went 70 some years without yeah, knowing exactly. this. Exactly.
0: That's yeah. right. That's right. And um, so as I've heard of these different stories in my own life, you know, being told to me by friends. Or friends of friends, um, then I realized, oh wow, okay. But I mean, but but that's a big thing to be surprised by. I think that they still are surprised by little things that they learn about each other on that trip as well. And and you know, back to talking about your parents, thinking that they have no secrets. Um, I think it's so interesting because there's always parts of people that. They've never fully expressed to somebody, I think, for whatever reasons. And I just think that's so interesting as a fiction writer to try and go in there and uncover even just these small
1: surprises, you know? No, that's also very true. And especially for a couple who had been married. And again, that's that's sort of like we lived together, we were married. What secrets could like, what things have I not discovered about you?
0: Right. 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 And yet there's always more to learn about somebody if you keep your eyes open <laughs> 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 and your ears open. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so you mentioned Maine. And of course, that plays a big part in all of your books. Um, you're, are you from Maine? Yes.
0: I am originally from Maine, yes. My ancestors go way back to 1603, so I'm really from Maine. <laughs> you're
1: like, you're like really from Maine, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm so really from Maine, I kind of can't stand it, but anyway, that's my heritage. No. <laughs> no, I, think... I lived in New York for 38 years, so that was fabulous, but um, I'm back in Maine now as a result of the pandemic. Okay,
1: yeah. Um, what is it about Maine then? Like, what drew you, first, I guess, like, what drew you back? What makes you want to give so much life to it in your books?
0: You know, I honestly think, I just think it's my DNA. I think I know this place so well. And it really wasn't until I moved to New York City that I understood that Maine was going to be such an important part of my writing life. And it's because when I left Maine I was able to see it you know in Mm. an entirely different way and New York has so many different cultures and so many things happening and it was just wonderfully freeing and fabulous to be there but it made me look back and realize oh I think my story is going to be pretty much a Maine story because that's just who I am and I know these people so well you know
1: that's it it feels like your own experience with Maine feels sort of like what we've been talking about where you think you know a place and then there's some time apart you know I grew up in um a small city in northeast Ohio I did not like it growing up I got Mm -hmm. away as soon as I could and then Mm -hmm. I came like came back to the area because once you're away you sort of see those things you didn't see before
0: exactly it's so interesting isn't it I know I know a number of people who have done that sort of thing but you just described as well it's um it's just interesting, you know, that we're drawn back with new eyes, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think in your books, you sort of make Maine its own character in a way.
0: <laughs> I know, I think <laughs> so too. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Maine is very multifaceted, actually. There are many parts of Maine, and the part that um, Lucy and, and William take in this trip is much further north than where I live, and, it's, and my husband and I took that trip. We actually did the exact same route that um William and Lucy did while I was taking notes Mm furiously and it was really um very interesting to see how different parts of Maine are and that was a very specific kind of area as well so you know there's a lot up here actually (laughs)
1: I love that you took the same trip that they did
0: yeah, we, we totally did. Oh, we had so much fun.
1: That, I mean, that's a good way to do some research and be it was that more was. authentic. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was like, I kept thinking, okay, I'm Lucy. Look at Lucy. Look through right. Lucy's eyes. She's never seen this, you know, now just do this through Lucy's eyes. And it was just
1: so interesting. So what was Lucy's perspective and how did it differ from yours in seeing this, this state that you've lived in for so long?
0: Well, I had actually been north, but not not very much. I mean, my husband had been up there a lot because he used to be the attorney general of Maine, so he knows every inch of the state. But he was more familiar with it than I was. And yet, um, just trying to see it through Lucy's eyes, I realized, okay, this is all, I'm looking at this freshly. And yet, at the same time, even Lucy acknowledges there's some little rumbling of familiarity that she feels because of her own background, you know, of isolation, um it's like a little bit familiar to her and she has different memories you know some of them are almost happy of Mm -hmm. driving with a father in a truck and she's sort of surprised by that um so you know i just tried to take every emotion that she was having and drill down deep into it
1: and now we're going to take a quick break for word from this week's sponsor When is the perfect time to plant trees and shrubs? Big box store experts will tell you anytime or, um, great question, but the best time to plant is actually fall, which means now is the time to go to fastgrowingtrees.com. No more waiting in lines, messy cars, and digging through a lackluster selection. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com and choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, and plants expertly curated to thrive in your area and deliver to your door in one or two days. Whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just added color to your yard, every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system, ready to explode with new growth come spring. There's a better way to buy trees and shrubs and plants for your home and yard, fastgrowingtrees.com. Now through November 30th, Go to FastGrowingTrees.com slash PBN for 15% off. That's 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com slash PBN. FastGrowingTrees.com slash PBN. You mentioned that uh, just a little bit ago that you ended up back in Maine because of the pandemic, and I'm curious if the the pandemic and moving back to Maine has, you know, changed your approach to writing in any way.
0: Well, that's a good question, and I I feel on some level that it has, but I'm not able yet to articulate how it has. I mean, I certainly I was certainly working throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I'm always working, so that's not really different. But there is some sense of readjustment, you know, to realize that, I mean, because we lived in Maine part-time before we'd spend our summers up here and, you know, come up for Christmas and stuff. But but to have fully placed myself back into Maine is um, really only about 20 minutes from where I grew up, which is just very, um, it's, a, it's still a tiny bit disorienting for me, mm-hmm. I think. So I'm still trying to get myself aligned <laughs> you know, to my new reality.
1: That's fair. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs>
0: what we all probably are I, I in I, our own different ways.
1: Yes. I think, you know, it's it's even now, like a year and a half into this, it's still sort of having to make oh, adjustments yeah. and every
0: day it's still yeah.
1: It is. It is. You know, yeah, there's yeah. This, part in your brain you should be like I feel like I should be accustomed to this but you're not and we're not
0: exactly and we don't know when we will be and we don't know what it'll look like when when we you know we just don't know what it is the future looks like in so many ways I think and that level of uncertainty that was through very much with us during the pandemic is still there you know it might not be quite as um uh intense but I think that's what I am feeling it's like hmm what What will the world look like? How will we all be in our offices or not again? you
1: know sure, sure. um obviously, I'm not sure when you started writing a William, but I'm curious if you know writing this particular book during the pandemic had sort of an effect on the story that you don't know necessarily would have been there in a non pandemic time
0: yeah i had just I had just finished the book before the pandemic okay yeah. And then <laughs> it was really like I thought, "Whoa, I better write an epilogue, But I, I actually sort of thought about starting an epilogue, and then I thought, "No, no, no," because I really like the way Old William ends. And I thought, "No, I'm, I just want. I want the reader to close the cover and have that in. No more Lucy voice after that." So.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's something. It's good I didn't do an epilogue because it went on forever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I've had conversations with about with other authors throughout the past, you know, throughout the pandemic about right. deciding when or if to kind of introduce this the like do you introduce right. the pandemic into your books and right. I think it's something that the literary world is sort of grappling with. Yeah, exactly. It has to, right? You know, right. and figure out how to do it. Yeah, it um it's sort of like they're living, you know, in sort of this like alternate timeline almost where these books are set in 2020 and 2021 and there's no pandemic. I know. I know. It's so, it's just so, um,
0: it's so interesting because who knew, you
1: know, who knew? Yes. But now we know. (laughs) Now now we know there was like, yeah, um, yeah, no way to
0: (laughs) waiting. Yeah.
1: Um, I read on your website that you were a big library user when you were a child and I'm curious what kind of books you were drawn to as a kid
0: you know I um, I would go to the bookstore and I would look under the classic section and I would write down different titles and then I would go to the <laughs> library and I would get those out and I was you know young when I did that I mean I was still you know I was preteen and then teen and then so I was really reading on my own all sorts of classic books, you know, the classics. And, um, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience because there was something so private about it. You know, I discovered all these people at such a young age in such a private way that later on, you know, in college or something, if I had, or even in high school, if, they, if the book showed up in a class you know, it was okay because I already had my own relationship with it, you know, so that was a really, really important thing for me to do, and then when I would be going through the library, um, you know, I would find, I remember taking it as um, uh, oh, just different, I mean, just different books that I wasn't even looking for, and just taking them down, and there was always a sense, like, if the text, I mean, it sounds a little foolish, but honestly, it was almost like if the text sort of rose up off the page a little bit toward me in a way, um, then I would take the book, and I mean, obviously the text wasn't rising up But something in in whatever I was glancing at, if it was catching me in a certain way, I would just take the book. And so I read many many books that way, and it was really wonderful.
1: What kind of books do you read now?
0: Um, I read you know I read contemporary fiction and I read biographies. I you know I keep going through stages of of reading different biographies and I'll read, um, I'll read about the same, uh, if there's somebody who's written different biographies, I mean, if there's a person like Tolstoy, mm-hmm. I just read two different biographies of him over the pandemic because the one I read, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. Let me see if another biographer catches the same feeling because if you're writing a biography, you always bring something of yourself to it in a certain way and mm-hmm. I think I realize that so I have, you know, I'll do that kind of thing.
1: Um, you know, you have these two characters that you've written, Olive and and Lucy, of course, and I'm, I'm wondering if, as you just said, you know, biographers bring a little bit of themselves to the biographies that they're writing. Do you do that with either of those characters? Is there like a little bit of you in, in either of them?
0: You know, um, I don't, I mean, I don't feel, I don't feel like I have much Olive in me, but, um... I probably do because I feel like I know her so well that there must be stuff that I'm drawing up for myself but she feels um, she feels pretty external to me although Mm -hmm. I feel like I really do know her quite well Um, Lucy is not me but she's very accessible to me you know she had an entirely different kind of background and and everything else but there's something about her that's sort of accessible Um, you know but all my characters, no matter who I'm writing about, whether it's a man or a woman, I mean I have to start with something that I know myself to be true mm. and then push it and push it and push it to the furthest extent
1: that I can. I like that description of it of just like starting with just a little nugget yeah, of, of just authenticity. A tiny thing yeah that
0: I know that I have somehow learned through my life would be true
1: yeah. And just pushing it.
0: Uh... And then just really, really... It's almost like... I think of myself as having... Um, this might sound disgusting, but I think of myself as having, like, a big wad of pink bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, I just keep spreading it out on the table, spreading it and spreading it, pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. <laughs> so my life would be the wad of bubble gum <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I... Many, many, many different, very, very, very thin, far-off shapes.
1: <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. I... I can I can visualize that very easily, of uh, uh, just sort of like <laughs> seeing <gross>. how far. <laughs> no, but just sort of tracing something to see how far it could go and yeah, and what it would right. look like.
0: Right, and uh, keep it true.
1: And keep it true, right? Which is yeah. probably why your characters always feel so authentic and like you right.
0: could meet them right. on the
1: street and they'd be real right. people.
0: Right. Well, I have spent my entire life trying to figure out what it feels like to be another person. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really has been the engine behind my writing. It's like, what does it feel like to be another person? Because I was pretty young when I realized, um, oh, I'll never forget it. All of a sudden I realized, oh, I'm never going to see the world except through my own two eyes. Mm -hmm. And after that, I realized nobody else is either. And that was like so upsetting to me because I wanted to know what it felt like to actually be inside somebody else's head. And as I was reading all those books, you know, at a young age, I realized this is one way that we can know because those books will put us into somebody else's head. And so that really started my, you know, my ignition as a writer.
1: Yeah. It's sort of that moment where you're like, oh, I could do this too. Yeah.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, since you did start writing so young, I'm just wondering kind of like, what were some of your early stories like and about?
0: Well, I was writing, um, you know, I, I remember I wrote some little story, you know, in fourth grade or something about somebody who ended up sitting on an egg. No, I can remember about that particular story, and she was like very upset, embarrassed because she'd sat on an egg with her dress on or something. That's the only memory I can remember as a kid. But then, as I got older, I was, um, you know, I was, you know, when I, I was sort of young when we first moved to New York, and I would write stories about people in New York, and then I finally realized, oh, I haven't lived here long enough to have absorbed real genuine feeling of New York and that's when I realized I had to in, in my working life go back to Maine and then after a while I was able to write about New York because I had lived there so long
1: uh, okay all right interesting yeah well I have um loved chatting with you I do just have one more question which is what do, sure. what do you hope readers take away from reading O'William you
0: know I hope that readers um what I, what I envision, I would like them to feel just even for a few moments like the ceiling of their life had been lifted, mm-hmm. just so there's some sort of, you know, a little bit of a transcendent moment where they realize, oh, right, it's all just life. That's all. This is all just life. And if they recognize themselves, that's wonderful. If they don't, that's fine, as long as, you know, I hope they can take into their heart, both Lucy and William. But I'm always hoping that the reader has some sense of
1: just saying, right, okay, thank you. Now I get it. It's just life, and it's okay. <laughs> that is a lovely answer. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it
1: readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by jill grudenwald and presented by overdrive to learn more visit professionalbooknerds.com